Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wonder from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to episode 139 of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing out there in the land of crowdfunding? This great and magical and mysterious land that excites me. <laughs> Hope you guys are doing all right. It's Monday morning. I'd say at 30 in the morning, I gotta be honest, I've been up early. I just got the car worked on. We had a, uh, I had to get an oil change, so I was, and uh, we had to get a, we had a little nail in the tire. Um, so we had a busy day today already, and it's already 8.30 in the morning. So hopefully you guys are doing well. We've got an excellent episode coming up today. Today we're gonna be talking to the Kickstarter campaign, Makiana Arcana. It's a, uh, we're gonna be talking board games. So again, a little outside of my element, but you know, I'm gonna fight through it because I'm a trooper, right? So we've got a great conversation coming up and this campaign only has three days to go. They had a $30,000 goal and they're currently sitting at over $270,000. So uh, this campaign has crushed it. So go over to Kickstarter now and check out Makiana Arcana and uh, From Beyond is the game. You can travel to the unknown, face the horrors and survive the story. Uh, so yeah, very dark RPG game and a very, very cool conversation coming up here in just a minute. But before we get to that, what do we do here? Well, over, uh, you know, I'm from Woodshed Agency. As I told you, my name is Jeff Wenzel. Um, I'm the CEO here and we are a crowdfunding agency slash product launch agency slash, you know, basically a handholder for startup companies. We try very hard to give you the best information on how to be a successful startup um, and one of our tools in our toolbox is using crowdfunding for proving viability in the market before you you know sink a whole bunch of money into prototypes and designs and all that sort of stuff so that is what we do over here uh, on top of that I run this podcast um, what we try to do on the podcast is we want to talk to project creators while they're in the middle of a campaign while they're uh, you know while they're in the in the heat of the battle right because we want to give you the most up-to-date information on what you've got to do to be successful so so that's what we do here. Pretty exciting stuff, I gotta tell you, huh? Yeah, we've got all kinds of stuff going on here. We also work on equity crowdfunding. We work on uh, Amazon launches, Shopify, that type of stuff, um, any sort of digital marketing, really. Uh, so yeah, that's what we do. So if you've got a project that you would love to, uh, you know, launch to the world, obviously shoot me an email, jeff at woodshed.agency. All right, let's go ahead. Let's talk about my week this week a little bit before we get into this interview. So let's talk a little bit about what happened last week, right? What, what went down in one over here at One Wenzel Way? Well, we had a couple kind of big things, right? So Tuesday of last week, we had a drain explosion. So that's how I started my day Tuesday. I woke up uh, in the middle of the night after not sleeping very well to hear our toilet kind of bubbling and rumbling. Um, woke up and our main drain was all backing up because we got a lot of tree roots in the front. So we had, uh, you know, a little bit of raw sewage, it looked like, probably around in our house here. Um, so that exploded on me, that bathroom, you know, just, we basically had to disinfect the entire house, which was great. Um, what was also exciting about that Tuesday is my, my wife, she had to get up early because her mom was having some eye surgery thing. So she had to leave by 5.30 in the morning. So like basically by about six in the morning, I was already done. I've already had like three hours of just chaos. Um, and that lasted most of the day. So that was an exciting day on Tuesday, but I followed it up with a really awesome Wednesday. You know what Wednesday was? Well, I went and saw Ozzy Osbourne. 
I mean, who doesn't go see Ozzy Osbourne on his lifetime tour? I don't know if it's a farewell one or not. I think everybody has a farewell one. But uh, yeah, so that's, I also did that. Went and saw Ozzy and uh, got to hang out a little bit with a buddy and uh, hear Ozzy wander around on stage. And I gotta tell you, it's odd seeing a 70-year-old grandpa up on stage singing uh, uh, No More Tears and, uh, you know, Mr. Crowley, yeah, so that happened. But, you know, it was a good time to get out. A little chilly, nice September fall in the air, outside concert venue called DTE here in Michigan. So that was a good time. So saw a little Ozzy. Um, but yeah, so that that was kind of the big stuff last week. We had, uh, you know, we, we also, I'll tell you another thing too, is we had my dad's birthday. And if you guys have ever listened to this epi- these episodes, you know how much my dad is a absolute train wreck for health. Um, so I also got to go to this place. I think it's called Texas Roadhouse or something like that. So I think it's what it's called. That's one of the worst restaurants I've ever ate at. Flat out. If you are a fan of that, we need to discuss food because what I ate there and what my family ate there was not food. Everything was covered in some freaking garlic like lemon butter thing. So even if you got rice, they probably put like, you know, a thousand milligrams of salt on it just to put some flavor on it. The vegetables doused in this stuff. And the vegetables, and by the way, this food was like microwaved food, flat out. My, 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 my dad's steak was like, you know, medium, he gets it medium rare, but it was like thin. So you can tell that they put like a, uh, um, some sort of like metal brick on it to cook it as fast as possible. So they squash, you know, squash the hell out of it. But man, that food was awful. And I'll tell you, that is, oh, and then the price too, it was expensive to eat at. So very, very annoyed with that meal. If you are a Texas Roadhouse, uh, you know, uh, owner at all your listeners, not very good food, not good food at all. And I'll tell you what, that is a place that I do not recommend anybody going to if you want to have a good meal, because it's just microwave stuff. I mean, come on, ugh. So we had that Sunday, and of course I watched my dad eat it up like it was nobody's business. I mean, he thought it was the greatest meal of his lifetime. He was just, so I guess maybe there is a customer for it, but the customer for it are people that are dying because my, my dad is dying, right? He's got kidney failure and he goes to dialysis. So the amount of salt that I watched him intake in a you know hour and a half long birthday dinner was just absolutely astonishing. So we had that going on. So that was kind of one one's a ways week and all wrapped up into a pretty bow there. Last night, I got to watch the Lions win a little bit. I watched uh, up until the third quarter, but these men, these, these football games are so late. Man, I pass out. I just, I, I hit the wall. So, uh, but hey, say, you know, Lions being the Lions, right? You beat the Patriots, but you can't beat the Jets. That's how we, that's how we roll here in, in, in D-Town. So exciting week, but we got a new exciting week ahead of us. I mean, like I said, we're just getting started. So, uh, but yeah, so I got, I've got actually something coming up in the next portion of this that I need some help from. All right, I'm looking for some help over here at Woodshed Agency. We are looking for somebody to take over a podcast around board games for crowdfunding. So if you are into board games and you're listening to this episode and you would love to be a host on our podcast here, Successfully Funded, get at me. We need to talk. I want to add another portion of of these episodes focused strictly on board games, and it is just not my strong suit. And I would love to add an expert. So if that is you, all right, knock, knock, knock. If if I'm talking to you, shoot me an email, give me a message, leave me a voicemail here on Anchor. I would love to chat with you. So if you're into board games, you want to be on a pod, you want to be a podcast host, this is your time. Shoot me a message. Let's chat.
All right, last thing before we get into today's interview. If you are a fan of this episode or this podcast, please go over to iTunes now and leave us a review. A review would be most helpful. Uh, So go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a quick review. Tell us that you're enjoying the episode. That is would be just awesome for us. Also, make sure you go over and uh, go to the blog section of woodshed.agency if you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding. If you've got a product that you want to launch, make sure you give me a call no matter what. I give everybody 20 minutes of my time. So if you've got uh, questions, comments, or concerns about your product launch, ask me. I'll give you some straight up solid advice on what your next step should look like. So that could also be a major, major um, benefit for you if you are thinking about launching a product. So. Those are some things that you can do for me now. But before then, all right, let's go look, let's listen to my conversation. Let's go ahead and, go, and talk to Yura from Mach, I think I said it right, Yura, yeah, I think I said it, right? Is that how I say it? From uh, uh, Makiana Arcana. I can't, man, I, hopefully I said that correct too. This was a tough one for me, I'm not gonna lie. This was a tough one. But this interview is amazing. We talk a ton about board games and design and crowdfunding. So go and listen to my interview and uh, I'll talk to you on the flip side. the record lights on we are jumping in this we're going to try to do a little round two today so same question as yesterday what did you have for breakfast this morning today well i didn't have uh, the blood pudding not today right <laughs> it was just eggs and avocado and uh, a little bit of bacon on the side oh very nice very nice that's a good healthy breakfast uh well we're sounding a ton better uh, just for our listeners out there we tried this yesterday for a second and uh we ran into some tech issues and uh we're going for round two today so Already it's sounding better, so we can jump right into it. So why don't you tell my listeners what you're currently raising money for uh, over on Kickstarter? Mm -hmm. Well, raising money for a very dark and uh, horror game called Machina Arcana. And uh, it's some kind of a technical horror game, but it's also a story-driven game. Mm. So you are with your friends, just stumble in some very dark subterranean complex, and just trying to get your head around without losing the head. Yeah, and uh, it's a story-driven game. So you use choose the scenario, and it's like a little book. And as you progress through the chapters, you see more and stuff, uh, more stuff uh, being revealed to you about what the game is about. Where are you? Where did you land it? And then after the end of the of the scenario, there is an end game, like a mini game hmm. that you can then play with uh, with your friends. That's awesome. And how would you kind of, you know, for our listeners who can't see it, because it is, it is dark and, and it, 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 you know, it looks uh, menacing on the Kickstarter, but how would you describe it to somebody who can't see it right now? Maybe you could even see it right now. Well, you can see that there's some kind of a tiles that you can play yeah. with, and uh, there are some explorers, and in those tiles, there are even uh, monsters that you can then spawn afterwards, and, uh, and you play on those tiles. And there are no miniatures in the game, but there are standees, and, uh, and besides units like explorers and monsters in there, there's a couple of things that can happen in the game, either beneficial or very bad horror yeah. stuff. We call them like events. And uh, the, biggest, uh, the biggest thing with the game is that it has a lot of immersive elements. Mm. So besides being a story-driven game with chapters, those things uh, that happen around those events are also like little incidents that you can then uh, read aloud and uh, see what happens. 
That's very cool. Very cool. So for, for a game like this, what was sort of the starting point? Where did this idea kind of blossom and, and how did you start expanding upon it? Well, it's not even that it blossomed. Uh, well, it blossomed through many years of, of working on that. And uh, uh, so this is actually the second edition. So the first edition was being made and published in 2014. And uh, even before that, uh, so I am a software engineer. And uh, in about 2012, I had one, one idea, one, one, one voice in my head that tells me, that told me, like, uh, take a year of work and try to come up with a project, with a game. So if nothing happens, you know, too bad. Right. And if you manage to create something, then great. You're mm-hmm. going to have the game behind behind you so that's what i did just i quit the job and just tried to focus on the game and try to have a a timeline of one year to try to uh, figure out and come up with something in order to to polish and to make a game out of it was there is there like a couple games that you were somewhat modeling after or like having at least some rudders like hey we know we wanted to be like like a little bit like this or or what was some of the inspiration kind of behind Uh you before you jumped into it uh, that's a good question. Uh, Arkham Horror was one of those board games that uh, once I played it, it opened opened up a perception to, to what a board game can be, what kind of experience you can have with them. Uh, so that was definitely a big part of that. Uh, besides that, I am also like a video game, uh, well, not anymore, mm-hmm. but before uh, I played a lot of video games, especially mm-hmm. RPGs. So they definitely had a lot of impact into that. And uh, if you combine that with, uh, with the affinity for horror, either with the uh, movies and literature, that's the mix that created the Machina Arcana. Uh, bear in mind that the first version, uh, like the first proto version, uh, didn't have a lot of similarities with what you see mm-hmm. for right now, because there were a lot of iteration in the process. But it, it gradually crystallized in its vision. Right. And, and like what was happening from that sort of the first version of this to this version? Like, like was it more gameplay? Was it more interactions, conversations, just seeing people using? Like, like what was happening for you to say, I'm going to kind of make this a works. This not. Yeah. Right. Well, playtesting, a lot of playtesting. Yeah. And uh, uh, the first version was very very story driven but there wasn't a lot of uh, tactical decisions mm. and uh, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of openness into it and it sometimes even resembled like D&D to some mm-hmm. extent because there was like a one player who was like a dungeon master who controlled right. some of the stuff that happened on the board uh, so uh, first of all, I didn't like that because uh, then you need to have at least two players, and uh, and uh, it it removed some of the tactical component of the game because uh, not everything is like chess on the board. And uh, by looking at the at how my friends were like enjoying the game, uh, it would it was actually very easy to see with what they had the best enjoyment and what was the most intense experience. Mm. So that was my my uh, lever of uh, of seeing uh, of probing the yeah. intense intensity of the experience, like how how well were they immersed, and uh, how much did they enjoy the afterwards. Sure. 
Sure. So, it, 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 you know, for me, it seems like, and again, I haven't played the game and I'm, I'm looking at it from, from the Kickstarter angle and just viewing it with those eyes. It seems like this type of game, you can go so into the weeds with it, or you can get so in the depth of like story and little mini things happening over here and adventures and you know, whatever it is, just story, right? How do you stand back yourself as a creator and edit that process a little bit so that the game is still moving, having it's fun, it's you know, it's doing all the things you want it to do, but not like yeah, constraining too right. much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I try to visualize the story, uh, but not the story like a narrative story, mm-hmm. but like what happens in the game. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that uh, you are with your friend and you're standing next to some crevice and there's some uh, banging on the door and uh, uh, then the door smashes and some monster gets, uh, gets through the door. So you move aside and then you pull the lever and there's some traps that bail the monster, but he's still not dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you're fighting next to the crevice and then you sidestep and then you use your shield and you push and you knock back the monster into the pit. Right. So that, that experience uh, that, that uh, provides immersion and tactical things and, uh, and the enjoyment, then I try to translate to, to provide the, the player the possibility to do that in the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like story, like uh, yeah. trying, trying to find out the scenario, uh, what's really cool, and then try to create the mechanisms in the game to, to do that, but sure. also it's very important to not go too much with putting stuff inside the game because yeah. then you lose the, as you said, the flow uh, because if you can do everything in the game, then it, it waters down. So sure. the features needs to be very tight in the mechanisms. That's great. And, and you mentioned you, um, for like the, the day job before you started doing this, you said it was software, software yeah, design software engineer. or software yeah. engineer. Uh-huh. Does some of that actually equate into game design? Like, are you using some of the same skill sets of like not making maybe a coding real bulky or something? Like, is there some of that stuff kind of seeping in a little bit uh, as a skill set you have? Yes, and I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know because, uh, and even that answer, you know, might tell you something because uh, I've uh, started programming when I was seven years old, uh-huh. and uh, I, that's what I do all my life, and. Uh, Based on, on that experience, uh, my mind and my perception is sometimes a little bit more algorithmical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm absolutely sure that it's going to uh, uh, flow into the things that I'm doing, especially the game design, because th- that's all about algorithms, uh, uh, graphs, numbers, and, uh, and uh, workflows. Mm-hmm. like more like work charts but what you got you got the impression yeah, yeah so yeah there's definitely a lot of that in it and especially with the simulations because uh, uh, a lot of stuff that that it's done uh, but what you see now is i can just you know have a, a very a big high number of simulations in my mind with the game i don't sometimes need to to play the game to, to see and to tweak the numbers mm. So I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of that helped with the uh, with with my job with the way yeah. that I'm working. Yeah, I'm sure. I've always found too. I I, I think that um, you know people in in um in sort of your position, what you're doing in terms of how you're laying out a game and something like that you know some of these other skill sets of like you know making movies or or like where you can envision 
you know, the, that creative process and you can kind of see where you're going, you know, it, it's hard to explain, but it's just like, I know where I'm going. I can see what's, I can see step four, five, six, and seven, even though I'm on step one or, you know, and, and it's, 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 it's great to get there. So that's awesome. So, you know, for a, you know, you mean you made a big step, you jumped from a job into like, I want to make a game. What would you tell somebody else in your position? Like, this is the first thing that we did, right? This was like, right out of the gate, I know I want to do this, but I laid out a timeline or I wrote a script or, or what was sort of that first step out of the gate for this? I would recommend to not do that. Because, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what would you <laughs> because, do? Like a lot of people have passion towards something and, uh, and that's fine. And passion could really, could really uh, drive you towards something, but you need to have some kind of obsession with that. Yeah. You know? So the passion is not enough. So only if you're really willing to sacrifice a lot of things, even a part of your soul mm -hmm. in the process, then you might be on something. Mm -hmm. But don't kid yourself that, that the idea is going to sell, sell itself. It won't. I mean, you need to be like uh, full time on that and uh, obsessive in not just the idea and the marketing and logistics and the finance and everything. And there's so many layers that, that there is in the whole journey that in the end, I don't want to discourage people, but they need to understand that it's not just about the idea and not just about passion. Mm, yeah. And, and uh, you're a family man, aren't you? If I'm not mistaken, I thought I had some kids and stuff, right? You mentioned an email that you had to put some kids to bed, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. How, how did you, um, you know, again, this is, I think you and I might have some share, like share some of this uh, entrepreneur vibe or this sort of diving headfirst into something. Mm -hmm. How did you convince the family that this was a great step for you? That this that that you had that passion, you had that drive. I have to do this. Like, you know, there's other That's people the involved reason. in the equation. Well, you know? Yeah, exactly. And one of the reasons why I, why I've done it in 2013 is because I didn't have kids. Ah. So that's a very big difference. Very big and difference, yeah. Exactly. And in the meantime, I now have, have two kids. And there were like four to five years between the first and the second edition. And one of the bigger reasons for that is kids. Right. So that's a very, very big, um, big sacrifice. And it, it was very hard because actually uh, one of the hardest things is even uh, with, with, the, with the stress and everything with this is with the kids as well. Because I don't want to... Uh, be a lousy father because I want to be here for the baby and for my toddler. So right. that means I need to be in the Kickstarter with everything, and but also you know playing and being <laughs> there and putting to sleep and just being there. So that's a very, 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 very stressful. And I couldn't do that before if I had kids. To be yeah. honest, I don't see myself doing that. Yeah, I, I, I hear you loud and clear. That um, it, it, it's, it's a. Full, it's not even a full-time job. It's a, it, I think you mentioned the best word you said was it's an obsession. Yeah, yeah. It's just your brain's working on it, just working and working on it. Even in your like, I mean, I was up last night at like two in the morning because I had a random thought and I was like, I got to get up and type it down. I got to, I don't want to forget it. It's, it's whatever. That's great. That's great. Well, where, uh, so like, where did you grow up and stuff? Like how, you know, how does board games fit into this world? I mean, you mentioned coding at seven stuff, but where did you grow up and stuff? Uh-huh. Uh, Croatia. That's where like my country is from, where I'm from. And, uh, well, I had a very cool and easy, easygoing childhood. So my, my father bought the Commodore 64. That's like the, the first yeah. PC ever. 
and uh, it just started from there. So uh, then afterwards, like gymnasium, uh, mathematics, gymnasiums, and uh, afterwards university for the IT and business side. And yeah, that, that kind of stuff. Do you have something in mind in particular based, well, on, based on that? Well, just where, like, where did gaming kind of start to fit in where, to where oh. you, you, know, you started to kind of see that passion that you're, you have for it? Uh, well, with video games, but that started even in, in the, well, we have a different educational system like uh, high school, but before high school, elementary school, but uh, in Croatia, it's uh, like eight years of uh, elementary school. Mm -hmm. So even towards the, the high, the highest years of the elementary school, uh, I played some, some of those games and, uh, and even the comic books uh, that are a little bit of uh, a little bit of horror and movies, they all somehow, uh, somehow helped me to, to not helped me, guided me some, yeah. somehow towards that. Right. And like, are your parents into board games or anything like that? Like, like, <laughs> no, like, were they no. supportive? Well, well, maybe. I mean, uh, the father is like a surgeon, you know, okay. and, and yeah, the mother is also a doctor. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, medicine going around. And uh, I've even uh, been to, to one of the, the surgery and uh, it was really interesting experience. Yeah, that, yeah, that's great. That's great. So, you know, um, and, and are you in Croatia right now? Where do you, where do you live right yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, although we, we returned back from Ireland. Oh, okay. So after the first edition was uh, fulfilled and everything, then I got a very good offer uh, for a job there. And uh, I contracted there for a couple of years. Mm. Uh, but then uh, the second kid happened and then we just needed to come up with a plan. Sure. The long-term plan, are we going to stay there uh, away from our immediate family or just, you know, and then we decided to, to come back to creation. Sure. sure. And what, like, what's the support system like for not just, you know, gamers, but like entrepreneurs jumping into this? Is there incubators? Is there programs to be a part of? What, what's sort of the um, culture like around you that you're, uh, that you're a part of? Oh, I don't care about all of that. You know, uh, it's, it, it's maybe easier because uh, if you try to rely on some other force of nature or in the society, then you can maybe pass the responsibility to that. But uh, I didn't felt the need uh, to pass the responsibility to anyone other than myself. So if I would do that, I would do it on my own. And right. that, that's the approach that I started with. So I didn't even look at the ways to ways to help me with well in a way kickstarter is that because mm -hmm. it's not on my own it, it's the backers but uh before getting to kickstarter uh, no there was no organizations and incubators that could help you with that there are i'm sure there are sure yeah but yeah I, my perception was in a way blind for those options mm -hmm. because i didn't see myself for it and, and how about like, just like a, how about just a straight gaming community? Is there a strong gaming community there? Is, or is it just like a couple of your friends and stuff? Well, uh, you're from which town? Uh, I'm in Detroit, Michigan. I'm over in the U.S. here. Okay. And how many people are in Detroit? Uh, millions. <laughs> yeah, okay. Think, so yeah. exactly. That's like the whole Croatia. Yeah. Yeah. So we are like 4 million, the whole right. country. Right. So right. It's much different. Like the scales are, are so much different in that regard. Sure. Like there are, of course, in the whole country, there are 
bunch of clubs and conventions and everything. I mean, that's one of the best way that we started uh, marketing with the game as uh, going through the creation conventions and uh, just uh, present the game and see with strangers how to, how yeah. would they react to the game. And that was a great. This really pushed uh, pushed pushed the game even further. But yeah, it's it's not like Gen Con. Right, 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 right. Yeah, well, I, I always feel, I, I think it's, you know, when I ever have these conversations with game designers, it seems like that's such, such a critical point of getting outside of your inner circle and putting it in front of strangers' hands and just yeah. just letting them see what happens. And, and you know, some people are, are not plugged into that um, or, or thinking that way. They're just so in their own bubble. So, um, so you know, what was, was there a moment that you had any sort of major roadblock um, in, in this version 2.0 where you just couldn't get past something or just something didn't happen? printing or no, art or no, no. nothing i mean uh, everything r ran quite smoothly i had some problem with the but it was just a little bit of a delay uh with the customs and all mm -hmm. of that i really panicked uh, just for a little while but everything resolved like very quickly and without any problems manufacturing process well, it could be better <clears throat> because my manufacturer had some problems with uh, it was a rainy season and they didn't have a, a very good facility for storing stuff. Mm. So a lot of humidity went into the boxes and maybe hopefully not to all of them. So uh, the cardboard had some, some of the cardboards uh, barbed. Mm. So mm. that was a big issue. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's something that uh, out of my control. And right. It, yeah. And it happened, yeah. And, and how about kind of the flip side of that question? Is there a moment that you can look back on and say, uh, I, or like, or, or was there a moment that you knew that you should keep pushing with this? Like you knew, I don't know, just the feedback was amazing. Was there just something that you could pin back and go, yeah, this, this, is, uh, this is great. And, or maybe it's right now with this Kickstarter. Well, even before, yeah. So I, I tried to, to look at it like the game is like she and she just wants to come into this world and uh, i'm just like a medium that's mm -hmm. help help her to uh, to be delivered to the world right. and uh, in that way it helps me i mean it is a role play but i'm aware of that but it it gives me the the perception that uh, not even an obsession but more like uh, everything that needs to be done needs to be done I'll try to done to the to the best of my abilities for some of the stuff that's out of my out, out of my reach. I just can't control it, right. and it's easy to just go with the flow and adapt as possibly to, to whatever comes your way. You know, not to even if there is some kind of a road roadblock ahead, not to perceive it maybe as a roadblock, maybe just the way that the things are and uh, and uh, how it presents it to yourself then. Uh, how you perceive it, it's very important. So sure. it's very important just to have a very healthy way of looking at things. Yeah, that's great. That's a good thought. Well, let's flip over to the actual Kickstarter, which is why we're talking. So uh, we're talking and I'm looking at, you got about 14 days to go. Um, and I'm looking also in US dollars and you had a $30,000 goal and you have absolutely crushed that. You're sitting right now at about 120, or just under 121,000, I should say. And you got a ton of backers, over 1,800 backers. So a lot of traffic, a lot of, lot of energy going on in this Kickstarter. So for you, what was the sort of strategy? I'm assuming board games, Kickstarter is like, you know, a lot, you know, got to go to Kickstarter. But what did you do to put together like a pre-launch strategy to get people excited about the game before you hit the launch button? Well, I had a, a big 
<clears throat> like a big benefit of having such a such an amazing backers from the first edition, and uh, they had their continual support throughout throughout all of those years uh, in between the second edition. So they were really the driving force, mm. not even to uh, continue working on that because if if they said like your game is really bad, um, what did I pay for? So uh, their continual support was the main thing to drive that uh, and you can even see that from the first day we we reached our goal in like four and a half hours wow. 30,000 yeah. and that's uh, one of the like the main driving force are the old backers but besides that there was a lot of marketing being done uh, before then I mean even months before that so there, yeah. it's a strategy you need to in a way you you have your campaign before Kickstarter and uh, the Kickstarter is just when you finish with everything. Like it's very bad approach that you start once you launch. You know? Yeah. I, I, I do about 20 calls a day with, or a week, I should say about people calling me going, what, what what's going on with my Kickstarter? It's like, yeah, what did exactly. you do before you launched the Kickstarter? Is like, exactly. the cru- yeah. that's cruise you control. Finished. Yeah. Exactly. You yeah. finished with everything and then you just sit back and, be there for people right but everything needs to be done before yeah yeah and w- was there any sort of you know so again from afar from and i'm looking at a ton of campaigns a thirty thousand dollar goal in board games is, is re- it's a little bit higher right it's not like a tech product or something like that so sure. w- was there any metrics you were looking for um to know that you would have that for that success in the first four hours did you kind of know in your heart like right, i know we'll be fine um uh, the first edition was uh, the goal was twenty thousand, and uh, but for uh, the second one, uh, a big, uh, a big chunk of funding will go to the art, because this time we really employed the, the best artists. Yeah, the artwork is, by the way, the artwork for people who haven't looked at it, the artwork is fantastic. I mean, really, really amazing artwork. On the, and on the that way. costs and yeah. uh, I mean, normal. I mean, as it should be. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that is not just manufacturing stuff, but but the art to pay yep. the artist their commission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think too from again me talking, I haven't made a board game or anything like that, but I've been in the world kind of as a uh, looking from above. Man, art makes or breaks some of these games. It's it True. really does. I mean, there are some games that yes, I, I it sounds amazing. But the art's just like uh, I don't know. It just doesn't look good, and uh, and and everything here it hits right with like the story, the darkness, the vibe, the energy. Like there's nothing looks out of whack, right? Like you know what I mean. There's just it's it's really great. So it's an awesome job. And and in t- in terms of like this, is that you just kind of guiding the process and trusting the artist, or what? What is like your actual role in like that artwork side of it? Well, there is my wife, Alexandra. Uh, she's the graphic designer and also creative director. So she's the one uh, that speaks with the artists and uh, gives them briefs and uh, tries to, as you've said, direct them towards yeah. a specific, uh, specific way of uh, like uh, just focus on these elements and uh, try to look those look and feel pictures and uh, go with that. So she's my muse and uh, the, the creative soul in terms of uh, visuals and that kind of stuff. Everything else is on me, like mm-hmm. based on the game design and, uh, and all of the managerial bureaucratic right. stuff as well. Yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, that's a, a solid team on that. So I think I interrupted, but what we were, I was asking though, was, was there a metric you were looking for before you launched to know that you were going to hit that goal number? 
Well, not really a metric. It was just more like uh, based on the costs and based on the estimates that are received from the manufacturer and what I think would be somehow uh, like a break point for the project. Mm-hmm. Nice. And has there been anything that stood out that's kind of odd right now in the back end? Like, is there a country that's really into this? Is there anything that you're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that at all? Well, I wasn't expecting such such a great big and positive feedback to be honest uh, because it 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 passed a, a lot of years uh, behind uh, the, after the first edition so i wasn't sure of how much backers uh, from the old that i'm looking at so i wasn't certain there was a lot of uh, hope involved but i just didn't know mm, yeah it was a really good, uh, good expectation, especially just looking at the comment section and uh, yeah. seeing the positive vibes and everything. It's just a really, uh, it, it what makes everything, you know, uh, what we worked for, uh, like come together and uh, justify everything, all the sacrifices, just being part of such a great community. Yeah. And what do you do to stay organized um, personally, like through a campaign like this? I mean, there's just so much. You got guys like me bothering you to, to do interviews. You've got comments coming in, probably stuff on Facebook and in forums, wherever it might be. How are you I staying up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I like or uh, stress, to be honest. Yeah. I, I actually thrive under intensity. So uh, the more stress uh, I receive, I try to adapt to that. And then I used a lot of apps. Mm, yeah. uh, it helps with the managing all of that stuff apps for finance for for marketing for uh, project management for for mail management for schedule management mm-hmm. and uh, all of that so there's a lot of a uh, lot of work that went into before kickstarter just to set up with a system like i call it some kind of an engine yep. that creates all of the different aspects of the project that uh, that I can easily manage it. Is there also. one tool that you couldn't live without? You think? Uh, a couple of them, uh, in, in, uh, and that is uh, based on the phase of the project. Maybe before before the project starts, I like mind maps to try to portray as much as possible on, mm-hmm. on the big screen to see the big picture of it. Mm-hmm. Then once you have the big picture, then you can uh, dissect the aspects and then group the aspects in the different you know, different concepts. And then for those concepts, some apps work and for other concepts, others. And then it's also based on the phase of the project. Like mm-hmm. the beginning and the intermediate now when the Kickstarter is and there's a phase for post Kickstarter. Right. That's right. Well, let's, let's talk post Kickstarter. So after, you know, the 14 days pass and, um, and the money drops and all that sort of stuff, what is your first step out of the gate to get this uh, game into backers hands? Well, first is finishing up with the art. So that, that's the biggest thing, you know, there's like 300 illustrations and uh, we already passed like 50% mark of all, all that because I didn't want to just uh, go with the promise. Like, okay, we have the best start for, you know, we want to create as much as possible. Yeah. So uh, hopefully it's just going to be after a campaign uh, a month or so when the art is going to be finished. And afterwards, uh, the timeline is to, to get that uh, to prepare. Uh, for the for the production for the mass production and then distribution that's great that's great 
And how about for you particularly, like, where do you see maybe like the next year looking like, where do you see yourself in game design is, do you have other mm -hmm. games coming down the pipeline? Where do you see yourself? Actually, yes. Uh, that's one of the reasons it's also for that Adrema Games company and my entity in the US is that I would, I have a couple of uh, designs uh, already, like a blueprint, like proto versions that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And I would really like to really like to, to give, uh, give it, uh, give it a life in a way. So I totally see myself in, in doing that because as I said before, like sometimes uh, some of those ideas will resonate and uh, then it's out of your hands. Those ideas try to try to materialize itself. So right. in a way, some of those ideas, I really just, they, they need to get out. And I hope that uh, for the next year, we're going to see another, another uh, game, but not in the same manner, you know, not like right. a tactical dungeon crawler, mm -hmm. something completely different. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. This was an awesome campaign. And I encourage obviously everybody out there who's listening, go check out the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, you got a couple more weeks to, to go and back. Uh, this looks like an amazing game. And I, I, I wish you nothing but success. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thanks so much. All right. That's how we do it here. Let me hit the pause button here. <laughs>
Six hundred. 